Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe with another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. We are coming to you on uh, the evening of December 2nd. It's about 8.30 at night. We have just been guffawing over the uh, Russell Westbrook for John Wall trade. I'm sorry if it's uh, been a few days since we've recorded, but with Thanksgiving and everything that started happening, Josh and I just, uh, well, we didn't find time for this. But you know what? It's really for the best because a lot of things have happened in a short period of time. Um, before we kick off the podcast, though, I want to take a minute and thank the people who applied for our open uh, open positions with Mabs Moneyball. Um, the number of applicants and the quality of applicants that we got from our community was absolutely overwhelming to the point to where I took down the posts just because I wasn't able to keep up with the volume. Um, that said, I know a number of listeners um, um, who wrote in basically saying they listened to Josh and I talk. And I, to, to those of you who are hearing this, I really cannot appreciate uh, uh, you enough for, for letting us know that, that you like the pod and that you're interested in writing for our site. Um, but Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's, I mean, we talk about this in our slacks and, and when we're messing each other, cause we're trying to get ready for the season, but like, Holy crap, it is, it is here. <laughs> the NBA season is here and we have, we have to do things and it is, it is crazy to think about just how fast things are going right now. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it's, we, we talk about this probably like every three days where things keep sneaking up on us. And we knew at the end of free agency that media day was coming. And then like Sunday night, I think you and I were trying to figure out the plan for the week and you just realized, Oh no, the season is starting in like 12 days. But um, let's, let's go kind of with the first step. So, you know, because I've been kind of knee deep in in applicants to the site, I've not paid a ton of attention uh, uh, as far as what's happened with the first two days of media availability. So, so what has been some of the the high points or interesting things that, that you've, that you've noticed? Uh, I think the, the main takeaway is that Josh Richardson's going to be every Mavs fan's favorite player this year outside of Luca. I think, yeah. uh, he kind of had a perfect, like he, he hit, he played all the hits. Uh, he hit all the right notes, whatever you want to, however you want to call it, uh, in terms of responding to the questions, he sounded very confident in his role and he did not sound like a guy that, uh, thinks he's too big for his britches. Uh, he sounds very comfortable in understanding what the Mavericks want out of him. And there seems to be a very mutual, good mutual understanding between the Mavericks and Richardson in terms of like, Hey, this is why we brought you here. This is what we want you to do. And he seems all in, like he just seems very much bought in uh, as much as you can tell from, from one zoom press conference on the first day of training camp, uh, you know, just talking about the defense he wants to bring and, being able to be a secondary playmaker and talking about, you know, the Mavericks organization and loving Luca and how he thinks he's going to fit in really well next to Luca. And he's excited to play with Luca, just like all the things like you would want to hear out of uh, a Mav- the, the primo Mavericks offseason acquisition. He basically delivered and it's, he even gave like a kind of chuckle worthy quote where he said something about how he, you know, how are you excited to play with the Mavericks? He talked about Rick and he knows Rick, uh, notices like the small things and very <laughs> detail oriented. So uh, that got kind of a chuckle. So like, I think he's well aware of what he needs to do to contribute on this team. And I don't think he thinks he is bigger than the role that the Mavericks are going to assign to him, which is great. Um, 
you know, especially with the hierarchy with Luca and whenever KP gets back, you know, Richardson has a very specific role he needs to fill. Uh, so Real that's opportunity for him though. Yeah. Real yeah. opportunity. Cause he's got, is it a player option in his last year, in his last year? Yeah. It's like 11 million. So, you know, you, he's probably going to decline that after he saw the spending this last off season. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if he plays well, he's going to earn a, a really good paycheck and uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, knowing the Mavericks and free agency, he could, <laughs> He'll he could at least guarantee himself some good money from Dallas by the end of next offseason uh, if he plays well. So he'll have that in his back pocket. Um, but that was the one that was the main thing I noticed. Uh, Rick's presser was very Ricky again. Uh, you, you know, he, uh, but I think you said this on Twitter because I think you did catch some of it or you, maybe just you caught the highlights on Twitter. But he's definitely he seems to be a little more cheerful on these Zoom conferences. As Incredible. To, yeah, and opposed to the in-person ones. I think everyone's making jokes so he doesn't have to see everyone's face uh, all the time. So it makes him more personable. But yeah, he gave some good answers. And I think he was the, he was very blunt, uh, as Rick can be, about what needs to change compared from last year to this year. I mean, very adamant about the defense needing it better. Very honest about where the defense was last year. Just some savage drive-bys in the long run. Yes, uh, when they asked about Josh Richardson, and he basically says, "You know, well, we've been what we've been needing for a while." Um, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but basically he said, "Well, what we've been needing for a while is someone that can guard point guards and uh, make some plays off the ball." And we think we fi- we finally got it. It's like. Oh boy, that's kind of exactly what you guys wanted out of Delon Wright, isn't it? And he's not on the team after you gave him a three-year contract last year, so uh, that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, he very much like defense. Like he was just talking; it was basically talking all defense for the most part. Uh, so they know what they need to do. Um, he seemed, you know, excited about the rookies. Uh, basically said it's going to be like a trial by fire with no training camp. I think that's going to be one of the most interesting things to watch in these preseason games because that's basically going to be – those are going to be huge minutes for the rookies to just get some get their feet wet a little bit before the NBA starts because, man, just going from, from draft to playing a regular season game in a month is wild. No, you know, no off-season training, no working with the coaches, no summer league no full preseason like these rookies are really missing out so uh, when you have a coach like Carlisle that can maybe set off some alarm bells you know in terms of are these guys gonna play because is Rick gonna trust these guys to be ready after a month and and basically you know no training real training camp or summer league and so that I'm gonna be very interested to see how much rope these rookies get and if Rick is willing to kind of let them play through their mistakes because they're obviously gonna make a lot of mistakes uh, all I think you know that's like gonna be unanimous across the league just with the way the schedule is looking so that was interesting to me as well. Um, otherwise, you know, business as usual. Uh, you know, Luca said all the right things. Uh, he was funny. Well. He was yeah. extra. He was the thing about Luca is that he's so media trained that he doesn't usually say anything interesting. And when he does say something, it's almost in, it's it's usually very intentional. Um, in that where he's trying to get a message across or he's kind of irritated, you know, kind of one of those things. And I, I caught a little bit of the fact that he like sat down and he cursed and he kind of apologized. <laughs> he's like, Oh no, I'm not. Oh, I found it. So Callie Kaplan of uh, the Dallas morning news uh, referred to the new uh, 
uh, guy up at, up in Denver. Uh, I think his name's Facundo Campazzo. Uh, he's a tiny little, he's like a, he's like JJ Barea on steroids, like tiny and like amazing, really good passer, that sort of thing. Luca described him as he's a pain in the ass on defense. I'm sorry for the expression. A few minutes later, he apologized for his language and said, I forgot how to do interviews. And <laughs> I was just dying when I read that because he, he's so boring in interviews. He really is. Yeah, he um, is. Well, he gets asked a lot of the same questions, so that kind of other uh, helps out with it. But then the other thing is, for anyone that didn't see, the guy sat down looking like there was an incredible joke on my timeline about how he looked like a kid who had stayed up too late playing Fortnite the night before. Um, yes. His hair was just all disheveled, and he looked a mess. And, it and was- then you and you can watch if you watch the clip, you can see the moment where he looked at himself like in the feed and saw what he looked like, and he goes, he audibly goes, "Oh shit!" and starts combing his hair a little bit with his hand like patting it down so that was pretty funny just like the the likability of this particular team and you know it happens every it happens every media day but the likability yeah. scale right now for these guys is really outstanding uh i say it happens to every team because you know i remember being really excited when uh samuel dallenberg did the splits for his <laughs> media day photo. how can you forget and, you know, within, like, 40 games, Rick wasn't playing. You know, Rick was, you know, the, he was held out of games for, like, practice reasons because he slept through stuff. So, you know, these things can go quite badly in a hurry. But right now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm feeling really excited. Yeah, and uh, I think Luca said he basically did shoot, like, his offseason thing was shooting. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's very well aware of the fact that, you know, he wasn't a great free-throw shooter last season. He was, def- he was a bad three-point shooter as well, so – uh, he said he just he shot a ton, so that question came up. So I mean that's expected. Like he's not dumb. I mean he even said that after games. You know he like he it feels like he's kind of fighting like against himself uh, at the end of games with these you know really bad threes that he takes because he acknowledges them after the game. Uh, so you know he knows it. So that was kind of expected, but also just you know nice to hear him say it. Uh, he probably had the quote of media day uh, when you consider just like the kind of the kind of like yep that's it that's the that's the tweet in sense that um i don't know what the question was but he it's i think it was like how are you guys going to be you know how is the team going to be successful this season and he basically said whichever team has the the least amount of covid positive tests (laughs) and like just the bluntness of it but like that's i mean that's it right like whichever team does is able to avoid that uh uh, as much as possible is going to be the team in the in the front runner seat without having to miss any guys because you know those positive tests are going to knock guys out for like 12 days minimum you wrote yeah. in your post so uh, that was interesting for him to say that and hey he's the leader on the team so like the fact that he's saying that I'm just a little hopeful that I don't know if that's something he's going to talk to the guys about but at least maybe himself personally he's going to try to be responsible and maybe hold people accountable in terms of following the safety protocols. I mean, that's just me projecting, but the fact that he brought that up and I honestly did not see too many other guys bring that up. You know, I, I mean, I can't say I, I didn't follow every team's media day, so I'm sure other people talked about it. It was a, it was a hot topic, but just the way that he bluntly addressed that uh, was refreshing because uh, yeah. it's true. And yeah. not a lot of people are going to want to talk about it because it's, it's sucky. It's the bad you know, it's not the fun part of NBA returning, but it's the reality. And for their 21-year-old superstar to be addressing it, uh, I just thought that was that was good. Yeah, yeah. Well, then the next thing we wanted to pivot to actually relates to, you know, the media uh, kind of introductions for other teams. And 
must have been two days ago, Sunday night, um, or maybe Monday night. Yeah, it was Monday night, where uh, former Maverick, former Celtic, former Heat, former Grizzly player, uh, Jay Crowder, <laughs> uh, made waves when he went on a uh, Phoenix radio station. And the guy, I think it was the same guy who made like rude comments about Luca years ago, like right after he'd been drafted bluntly pressed Jay Crowder on like why he signed in Phoenix over Dallas and essentially stated that Dallas offered more money to which Jay Crowder did not deny. And then more or less proceeded to do a really solid job filibustering and not answering the question uh, as to why he picked Phoenix other than to say he wanted to help be a part of building something special which I found was peculiar because what is Dallas doing? Uh, <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, you know, dude, like we, everyone told me last year that no one was signing here because they're not ready to win yet. And now the Mavs are ready to win. And now you're telling me the excuses guys want to build something now. Get well, out of here. And I've had a day to think about this because I was, I was pretty pissed. And <laughs> when you look at the Mavericks rotation, I think it came into the fact that two things probably occurred. Number one, the Mavericks probably didn't offer him three years like the, the Phoenix Suns did. Now, why they didn't do that is beyond me. They have upwards, they're going to have in the neighborhood of 50 plus million dollars in cap room next year. They can afford it. Um, yeah, they could still get a max guy and, yeah, you know, and bring no, in someone else. So. That's a terrible argument. The next person that says it to me, I'm going to scream at. Uh, the second thing, though, is really the the where he would have been in the rotation. And when you look at what Dallas has, Jay Crowder was not assured of starting spot. And at his age, he probably does want to start, and Phoenix is going to be playoff viable. So it's probably those two things put together. However, it's still addressed, uh, uh, brought to light what you and I have been talking about for like two years now, what we kind of roughed into when we were irritated about how the MLE got spent by the Mavs, about whether or not the Mavericks are either good at the free agent pitch or whether they can get people to take money at all. Because it seems to be uh, that they're having a little bit of problems, you know, either addressing, I think what they're doing is they're, they're, they're over-targeting in terms of they, they come up with a short list. And then if they don't get anybody on that list, then they don't know what to do. And that seems to has, have happened two off seasons in a row, which I just find per, a little bit peculiar. And when they have, you know, the, the aforementioned cap space going into next year, they better have plan A, B, C through, you know, Z, through Z really. They can't, this is not, they, they, it doesn't matter how good Luca is. You have to have optionality going into free agency. And I, I just don't know if they had that this time. It certainly doesn't feel that way. And Jay Crowder really kind of shined the light on that. Yeah. I'm struggling with, with Crowder, you know, picking Phoenix over, over Dallas. And that's supposed to be a scenario where you would think, you know, we don't know the money stuff. So that's probably a lot of it. And, you know, the playing time stuff, that's a lot of it, but you know, the pitch of the keeping the cap the powder dry and all that with Luca and KP is like Dallas is supposed to be more desirable than they were when they were trying to bring in stars when Dirk was, you know, 37 years old or whatever. So the fact that they still got someone to not take their money to go to a franchise that has been terrible for years, uh, basically since Steve Nash left, um, that's just like, man, what else? What are they doing? Like, like not not like not what are they doing? Like in a bad, like necessarily a bad way, but is there like is there just is is there just something that prevents them from closing these deals? Is it something? Maybe it's something that's not even out of their it's out of their control. Like guys, just they're 
they seem to be offering guys money and no one seems to be coming um, except for, you know, guys that are, you know, when they overpay a little bit, like in terms of Seth Curry, like they got Seth Curry. Cause I'm sure I doubt teams were, uh, I doubt there was a long list of teams giving him a four year deal, but right. that's kind of how you get guys to leave. You know, you give them more money, you entice them to come to your place, you know, money talks. So I don't know. It's, it, it's something obviously not to get too bent out of shape over, but it's just kind of one of those things where I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm just tired of hearing about Dallas being second place for a guy that signed somewhere, you know, like, I don't oh, yeah. care. I don't care what the reason is. I don't care if it's the Mavericks fault. I don't care if it's the player not understanding the situation, right. Or making a bad judgment, like a player making a bad judgment call. I'm just tired of, I'm just tired of seeing those headlines. I'm tired of seeing player X chooses team Y over Dallas. Like uh, I've seen that headline too many times over the last 10 years. And I just don't really care what the excuse is anymore. Anymore, like I don't care if it's the Mavericks' fault or, or if it's out of their control. I just don't want to. I just don't want to see it anymore. Uh, maybe that makes me unreasonable, but it's just, it's just a frustrating trend. And it has nothing to do with Jay Crowder because I mean, I I know Jay Crowder has his flaws as a player. It's less about losing out on Jay Crowder and more just like, can like what's why can't they get people to sign? <laughs> to sign yeah. contracts uh, with yeah. the team aside from guys that they have to overpay, which leads me to like, are they just not, is there something off in terms of how much they're offering guys, but that's the stuff I don't know. And that's just all speculation. So. Well, next year uh, it's probably not going to matter because right. no such thing as an overpay when you basically have to use this space uh, because it, they're never going to have it again. Um, yeah. And, and that really, that, that actually translates directly into, to the next two to three topics that we're all going to talk about related to Luka Doncic. Um, I didn't put this in our rundown, Josh, but, you know, Brad Townsend wrote a piece yesterday that talked about what Luka is playing for for in this season. And there's a little bit of question as to what the Rose rule allows, but Luka has a number of paths to an extension, which would basically bump him up to 30% of the cap to where from his rookie extension as a five-year extension, four-year I think it might, I, I can't remember how long it is, but it's north, it's going to be north of $200 million. It's going to be like, it's, it's yeah. OP, like Dallas, Dallas casuals are going to be baffled by this, but this is what happens because the way that this structure is set up is to, to incentivize the best of the best of the best to get rewarded for playing well this early. And there, there's been in the 10 years that the Rose rules existed, there's been like, four players that have really kind of qualified for it. So it's going to be fascinating to see. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be, you know, kind of track, I, I, we're all going to be kind of tracking that subconsciously just because, you know, if the Mavericks, you know, head into free agency, they need to use all the space because then they can resign Luca to go over the cap, which will put, you know, the Mavericks in the, the tax for the first time, I think since the tax has been a deal, uh, 2011, you know, Cuban gets all this credit for being a, a good spender. He's not, it's been a decade and he just get he keeps skirting by on a, on a decade old, um, reputation, which is really great marketing, uh, because he never denies it. And, you know, they put out all this stuff around it. So the Mavericks are just going to be an interesting place. And we know this, we're not worried. We're not concerned. We just need to be, you know, on the lookout to see what they can do this year in trades. Um, I think trades are really the more interesting option for the Mavericks uh, because I think that, that, you know, convincing somebody to resign is a lot easier than convincing someone to sign. Um, yes, I agree. So we'll, we'll see what they have there. Um, the next thing that I, I wanted to talk about, the next two things, we found out last night that the Mavericks are going 
to be playing the Lakers on Christmas night in the prime time slot. And I was just flabbergasted at this. What was what was your response? Uh, same, because <laughs> the Mavericks haven't played a Christmas game in basically, you know, since the repeat, uh, the, the season after the championship against the Heat, the rematch. Uh, and now they've gone from haven't playing in Christmas in 10 years to they're not only playing on Christmas, they're playing in the Christmas game, like the most marquee matchup on the NBA's most marquee day on the calendar. Uh, and the Mavericks are in it. And that's just kind of, that's just really cool. There's nothing more I could say, except that like that as, as someone who enjoys watching the team and following the team. And if you're a fan, like that's just really freaking cool. Like you're gonna, like the Mavericks are going to be the, the center of the NBA universe on the NBA's most important day of the schedule. Well, and what's particularly interesting to me, and this is a conversation you've had, you and I have had a variation of, is that there is perception and then there is what the data is telling teams and NBA and whatnot. And the the data has been pointing to Luka Doncic being an international megastar since you know, probably January of 2020 when the all-star votes started to be tallied because that stuff starts to be a self-perpetuating cycle where you see the guy who's in first or second place and then they tend to stay there. They grow more popular because of their popularity, if that makes sense. And the NBA and really all the the things surrounding the NBA, the marketing, um, the, the adjacent companies, uh, I've sort of struggled to keep up with that. You know, you talked about how Luca finished the season number two in Jersey sales. That is insane. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's a massive marker for popularity because it means people are going out and tangibly buying a product and wearing a product of, with like a guy's name on it. The, you know, this is, you look at the, the trends over years and it ends up being like the same five people year in, year out. And Luca bludgeoned his way into the top two in his second year. That sort of stuff, you know, that hasn't happened since LeBron. Like, it's it's kind of incredible. And so, you know, to see them showca- uh, showcasing him on Christmas is pretty fantastic because it means that finally the marketing is catching up with what the data has been telling, you know, the NBA for some time. Now, I'm not super thrilled in the sense of, the Mavericks aren't going to have Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and the Lakers got better. <laughs> so yeah, that might be a tough game. <laughs> it might, it might be a tough game, though. Though you know, Luca is a man for the moment, so I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. Yeah, and for what it's worth, they played the Lakers pretty all right last year. So who knows? Were, I think they would have won all but one of the games had the refs not, you know, played a particularly interesting role in that one game where uh, Seth got grabbed by the back of the jersey and yeah. Uh, Kleba decided to uh, not just give up a dunk like there were. Oh God, so many, so many things. <laughs> Don't go to the dark place. Mavericks could have won like fifty-five games last year if they just would have been a little more mature. Um, which pivots, you know, to our to our our last our our last topic in that on um, a, a a television show, sports uh, road tripping with LeBron James, which I think is is basically like one of these shows out there in L.A where LeBron goes on and talks about stuff. That seems to be the case because it was out on the um, Spectrum Sportsnet. Um, LeBron gave a almost two-minute soliloquy on how much he 
is impressed by Luka Doncic's game. And then not only his game, but his like moxie is kind of like the way he recognizes his place in the world because he talked about how interested he was in Luka's shoe free agency. And so he, he even got to the point where he said, I wanted to begin Team LeBron and have Luka as my first signing with Nike. I don't know if Luka knows this, but he will know it now. I wanted Luka to be the first signing of Team LeBron when he was going through his situation. That's how much I believe in him. And look, superstars don't have the best track record in assessing other sort of like talent, <laughs> things like that. But in terms of marketability, I will say that LeBron James has an acute eye for things. And this just blew me away today. I, I didn't even know what to do with this. It was so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like if you wanted to say like, well, what would be the equivalent of this kind of compliment and praise to Dirk? And it would be, I think you wrote this in your post, your news post about this is it would basically be Michael Jordan saying he's <laughs> Dirk is his favorite player while Michael Jordan is still playing in the league. Well, to be uh, fair, I stole that from you. You wrote that in Slack, but I was writing the post, so I just... <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, it was Because, you know, Dirk grew up with posters of Michael Jordan, and Luca grew up, you know, different era. I, know, I don't know if he had posters, but hey, probably, you know, watching LeBron on YouTube and stuff. And, I mean, I think Luca's first press conference, one of Luca's first press conferences, rookie season, when he got into Dallas... Uh, he, I think on media day, like he flat out said LeBron is his idol. Uh, and I mean, it's so obvious when you watch him play, like they're basically stylistically uh, interchangeable in and in to a degree. Um, so that's just crazy. Like I can, I can only imagine what Luca's reaction is to, to seeing that. Like he must, he must be like overwhelmed uh, watching that. Cause that is some crazy high praise from someone you consider, you know, your basketball idol, which is exactly what he said. Well, and it's, it's a really wild thing. It goes back to what I just said a minute ago about how the marketing machine did not seem to understand what it had. And LeBron and other people noticed this, and Nike and the other everything else just doesn't. You know, Luca is going to probably get a signature shoe. And there are less than 20 NBA athletes that have their own shoe. And it's some of them really shouldn't. Shout out to Aaron Gordon, who is for some reason getting one. Um, but it, it, it's really, it's just kind of wild to see, you know, to, to, to read that sort of, you know, high praise because LeBron does like his game. He had a great, like a number of great things to say about his basketball game. One of them, he, he said that um, if he, he just, you know, essentially talked and talked about how they played very similarly. And that is something that, that he really likes about, about his game. And it's, it in this you know the kind of social media discussion that surrounds these players things get very stupid very quickly um and you know sometimes guys are overrated sometimes guys are underrated i'm a little concerned that luca might have not you know is going to be facing like third year kind of uh, blowback for some of these things but it, it's this is just a unique sports experience that we're unlikely to have in terms of rooting for a guy the rest of our fanhoods because you just don't come across many guys who are at the zenith of their power so early and then will probably be like a league fixture for a while. So it's just, it just kind of reiterates how, how cool it is that we've been on this trip and how we will continue to be on it because Luca is just – he's going to matter. He yeah. is. And that's just wild to me. It's going to matter in a way Dirk never did, which Dirk didn't seek this sort of stuff out. Luca does. 
Right. And uh, yeah, Dirk was like our little indie band that we didn't want to get super popular in a way or that we just defended really hard. You know, oh, you got to gotta go see him in person. Um, <laughs> but uh, and then the thing with Luca, like that, I was just thinking about this while you were talking. Uh, it kind of made me think about like the NBA. Like you, you were talking about how the marketing and the league works and how Luca is like Luca is, is arriving and people are noticing it. Um, the league can't mess this up in the sense of in terms of getting the most out of Luca and using him to promote their sport, because like, let's be honest, they, they messed up with Giannis. Big mm-hmm. time. Uh, they failed Giannis in a way that is, when you really think about it, is kind of unfathomable in the sense of like the way the NBA and the NBA's partners drive the conversation around the league and how Giannis is so not a part of it on compared to how much he should be part of it when he's a two-time MVP uh and basically like wing shack uh in a sense like it's not like he doesn't play like he plays a very fun style like he's a very entertaining play like there's nothing against him that you would really say in terms of his marketability except you know maybe his personality he's not like luca in the sense that he's he doesn't have like that kind of starriness in sense of seeking out the attention he's kind of more dirk like in that regard but still you know the nba i think was kind of flat on their fell fed on their faces not being able to uh, anticipate and market a player that was not born uh, in America uh, with yeah. Giannis. They just were not, I don't think they were prepared for a foreign born player to win MVP two years in a row and be as dominant as Giannis was. And you can, and you can see it shows like all the you know the league partners when, when we're watching broadcasts, you know, all the stuff that we complain about on Twitter, uh, the way that, you know, the discussion around the NBA isn't about what Giannis is doing on the court. It's where is he going to go to another team and all that, all that crap that really sucks. And I feel really bad for Milwaukee fans that they have to deal with this uh, instead of just talking about how great he is. And he like Giannis should really be like one of the ambassadors of the league. So they, they messed up there and it's just crazy that they're going to get another, like they've got another foreign born player who is going to be winning MVPs soon. Uh, and they've got to be ready because, you know, LeBron, you know, LeBron is ready. Um, other, a lot of other people are ready. You know, is the league going to be able to handle that? Uh, and it's, it doesn't like Matt, like actually matter. Like, you know, when we're talking about the game and stuff like that, but it's just an interesting subplot to me when you consider we're coming off of, you know, how the NBA has handled Giannis's uh, stardom. Yep. Well, this has been fun. This has been kind of a good end out. Do we have anything else before we want to get out of here? Uh, I don't know. Um, Jalen Brunson said he thinks he and Trey Burke can play well together. I'm trying to think like other media day stuff. (laughs) Um, Dwight Powell has no indication of what his role is going to be. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, like when Dwight got hurt and Kristaps started at center, the team didn't really miss a beat and kind of unlocked Kristaps' game. Like the Kristaps stats before Dwight got hurt and after Dwight got hurt are frankly like hilarious in how stark a difference they are in terms of how productive he was after Dwight got hurt and he played the five full time. So I'm very curious to see if Pal, I mean, we're not going to, you know, Pal could start because Kristaps is going to play till January, but it's going to be very curious to see how effective Pal is at the start of the season and what the Mavericks decide to do when they are fully operational. Do they go back to the two big lineup or is Przingis at the five, the future, or is Przingis the five kind of like the Warriors death machine lineup where it's just kind of like a playoff secret weapon. Uh, So that's something I'll be watching. Well, I think we have our first, first preseason game, like 10 days. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, December twelfth. Yeah, we're gonna be uh, rolling out a fair amount of content. We're gonna kind of lax in the media day stuff, but that's more my fault than anybody else's. Um, and we will see what we come up with. There's bound to be plenty more to talk about soon. But you know, I just wanted to hop on and talk about these things. Yeah, I enjoyed it. This is it's time to get back in the swing of things, right? We were, we've never really gotten out of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, this has been uh, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow with Maz Moneyball After Dark. If you can, please go li- uh, subscribe, go give us a five-star review, do any of that stuff that you can. It really ends up helping our, our podcast. You know, give us feedback. We love hearing from, from people. And um, as always, we will uh, talk to you out there. Have a good week.